I quite frequently sing the My Baby All Gone song to myself, just <laughs> potting around the kitchen. Hello and welcome to another socially distant episode of Grape Culture, the podcast where three women drink alcohol and talk about things and stuff. I'm Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. <laughs> and welcome to the episode. On this week's episode of Grape Culture, we are talking about childhood toys, the toys that we really wanted when we were kids, the things that we actually got, and also what we really wanted to get from the Argos catalogue when we were scrolling through at a young age. But before we get into that, we have some wine. Um, Who wants to kick off with their childhood-themed wine selection this week? So I had uh, zero time, so I sent my partner off to the shop with the brief that he needed to pick up a wine that is related to childhood in some way or toys and that is also vegan friendly. So he arrived back with three bottles of wine and proceeded to give me a little presentation about why they are related to toys or childhood. I love it. The first one that he pulled out of his bag, Sainsbury's bag of mysteries, was a red it was, I, I believe it was a Merlot. I don't have it in front of me right now. And it was called uh, Leaping Frog, I believe. And his concept was that it's related to childhood because this time of year we're pulling Christmas crackers and the little leaping frog is sometimes something that you get in the Christmas cracker. Not just the game Leapfrog. Or Leapfrog, but also <laughs> Christmas crackers, the little plastic leaping frog. Yeah, for sure. But I think Sam and I were both there going, yeah, leaping frog, oh, leaping frog. Yeah. And then oh. we were like, this time of year, we were like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> no, we both, okay, so, so my partner and I definitely went for the Christmas cracker thing. Um, you went for the obscure version first. But yeah, cool. <laughs> anyway, so we didn't go for that one tonight because it was vegetarian, not vegan, unfortunately. Then the, the second bottle that he pulled out of his bag of mysteries was a Chardonnay, um, and it was something like called like Woodland something. And his concept was that when you were younger, you played in the woods. <laughs> he is so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you know fairy tales are often set in the woods and things like that. You make up make believe games. Unfortunately, the Chardonnay was neither vegan or vegetarian, so we haven't got that one. So what we are left with <laughs> is the third bottle, bottle which is uh, this Pinot Grigio, which I think I might have had on the podcast before, but it's uh, Sete Oitu Nov Pinot Grigio, 789, because, not because learning to count is to do with when you're growing up, but because, uh, so his explanation was that 789 are the golden years where you will find the toys you love. So that is what I have tonight. <laughs> ah, and it's Catarato Pinot Grigio. I've never heard of that. But this Catarato Pinot Grigio is crisp and zesty with lovely aromas of citrus and apple blossom. Its refreshing notes of green apple, lemon and lime make it the perfect match for creamy pasta dishes or fish. Basically, every white wine description ever known to man. Does it have refreshing acidity? Because that's... <laughs> refreshing notes, and it has lemon and lime. So, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Classic. Good. Classic. Kim, what have you gone for for your childhood kickback? Kickback? Back, flashback? 
Word. Shit. Throw back. Yeah, go on. Why not? Throw back. <laughs> so I've gone for uh, Le Petit Chat, uh, Le Petit Chat Melin, uh, which is uh, the little cat. Um, red wine, which I got off of McColl's. I don't think it's exclusively at McColl's. So, you know, if you have more highbrow establishments, I'm sure you can get hold of it. Um, the reason I chose this one, for a lot of reasons, like partially just because it's called The Small Cat, which it just made me think of like being small. But also when I was a kid, shockingly enough, I had a fair amount of cat toys. And one of my sort of lasting memories of, of childhood toys that I had, like cuddly toys, was this little black cat that um, went through the washing machine. And my mum did a little dance because I cried when I found out that it was missing. And then when it came out of the washing machine, she made it do a little dance about how it had had a bath and it was all fresh and tidy. Um, and it's just one of those memories that stuck into my head because <laughs> my mum's a little bit mad. I didn't realise that the label was quite so wanky um, it's because this is, the, this is the tasting notes. This isn't a speech bubble being said by the little cat. My humans call me the cunning little cat, Le Petit Chat Melin. This may be because whilst they tend to grapes and make wine, I like to spend my days looking for mischief. After all, a cat has nine lives. Whilst I prefer a lap or two of water, I've overheard them say this red wine is packed with rich, juicy, ripe berry fruit flavours, a touch of soft tannin and a subtle twist of spice. They seem to like it best with meats and cheeses. My favourite's the one with the holes in. That's no. ridiculous. No. I I'm like angry at myself for having read that. So it's too, that. it's too much whimsy. That's too much whimsy. Anyway, so this is a um, French red wine. That's that's about as much as I've got for you there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically cat toys, cat toys and wine. When you say cat toys, I know that you mean childhood toys that, that look like, like cats. cats. But in my head, it's like you playing with a catnip filled bird. <laughs> both, both fair. Both true, both accurate. Good, good. Sam, we've left you the best till last, I'm sure. What, what have oh, you, got? you really haven't. You really haven't. <laughs> so I, I did a small panic earlier, I think, as all of us did, and went, fuck, it needs to be about toys. Um, <laughs> so I went on uh, a popular, not a popular, a an independent retailer near us that we've been to several times for our wine called Independent Spirit. And I got <laughs> the pressure on... Shiraz Mofedre, um, which is some kind of South African red wine. And the reason I got it is because it's got this absolute fucking unit of a horse. <laughs> Why? Because you Look, with giant horses? Because you were a horse girl. I was a horse girl. I had horse toys. I was a horse ride. Like, oh, I rode horses. I, I knew was, this. Yeah. Um, I knew this and every time I forget until you tell me again and every time it fills me with joy. But yeah, this fucking beast, look at it. It looks like a sideboard, but with legs and a head. So I bought this. I also have a second wine that I may switch to depending on how quickly I get through this or if it's awful, um, which has a dog on it because I also enjoyed <laughs> toys that were dog related, not dog toys, not bones, not... <laughs> I love how you both no. went for animal-themed wines, and I just went, I can count! Seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we chose wines like a seven-year-old would choose a wine. This one's got a cat on it, I want this one. Yeah, essentially. 
So we'll see how this goes. And the tasting notes are for my Shiraz Mauvais. Uh, in the farthest flung corners of the Cape lie gnarly old national treasures. Mm. Ancient vines once farmed with Percheron draft horses, now both now a rare breed. Percheron Shiraz Mauvais celebrates this harmonious marriage of nature, rich, dark and brooding. This wine is packed with warm, chocolatey notes and has a big, savoury heart. Oh. Hmm. Cheers to childhood. Cheers. <laughs> to childhood. Oh. Mine is citrusy. Shocker. I'll be interested to see if you have had this one on the podcast before, which I think you have, whether you give it the same rating at the end. <laughs> I'd be interested in that as well. Um, I've had this wine, this little cat wine before, if I'm honest. And I've had it, I think, now three times. And I don't think it's ever tasted the same. Yeah, it's it was a bit sour on the off, but it's it it grows on you. It's quite um it's quite simple. It's quite a simple red. Like a little oh. cat. Like a little cat. Yeah, my big horse is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's it's much better than the reds I've had on this podcast recently. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have to switch for the sake of it being terrible. So we'll see how the how the evening progresses. So childhood toys. The reason we are talking about this on this episode of the podcast is it's our last one of 2020. We wanted to do something fun and nostalgic. Um, and also because Christmas is coming and who doesn't remember sitting down, if you're in the UK, sitting down with the Argos catalogue, picking out the Polly Pockets that you wanted from the toy section at the back. So we thought it fitted thematically with the time of year. And also, yeah, it's meant to be fun. So do either of you have a, a toy that you really, really wanted, either for a birthday or for Christmas when you were younger, that you were like, I need this toy! <laughs> Give it to me. I mean... I had many, obviously, but the ones that immediately sprung to mind were Furbies. Oh, yes. And I do remember really, really wanting my baby all gone as well. The, the, the baby <laughs> whose little tiny, like, blueberries disappeared in their mouth. Yeah, she the makes spoon. it all gone. And the you, milk bottle. Do you remember they it. always had, like, I swear 90s naughty, well, 90s when we were younger, when we were really little and buying toys, they all had a jingle. Every single My baby had, all gone. Yeah. You or, make it all make gone. It all gone. Look, it's all gone. Yeah. There or, was, there's now... early my beautiful shoes. Oh, yes. <laughs> everything had a jingle. Or action man, the greatest hero of them all. I um, I quite frequently sing the My Baby All Gone song to myself, just <laughs> potting around the kitchen. Genuinely, I'm like, I'll be like pouring cereal, and I'm like, My baby all gone, you make it, and yeah, every so often, I'm like, Look, it's all gone. Yeah. There's a Formula One driver called Alexander Albon. And every time I hear his name on F1 stuff, it's like, ah, and Albon takes the lead. My thing goes, Alexander Albon, he makes it all gone. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, My Baby All Gone, Furbies. Uh, the other two that immediately spring to mind are the Barbie, SeaWorld Barbie that came with the killer whale. And um, I don't remember that one at all. Didn't you have a wetsuit? 
she did and she swam in the bath it was amazing and my uh, my game boy uh, game boy color which did you play donkey kong because that was my favorite no no i was pretty much all pokemon all the time uh what about you guys i also remember really wanting a furby See, the trouble was, is because I was August's birthday, I was the last kid in the school year to have the birthday. And so by the time August came around, the toys were out of fashion again. And that was really annoying. And I'd like to think I wasn't impacted by fashion of toys, but of course I was, because I'm a person... A child? Yeah, and, you know, even now, obviously we're all affected by fashion and things like that. So... Yes, I really wanted a Furby, and by the time I got one, everyone was bored of them, so it was very annoying, and I really wanted a Tamagotchi or a Nano. Tamagotchi. Yeah, and by the time I got one, everyone was bored of them, but I still still really, really enjoyed having them. I think as I got older as well, I remember a mobile phone was something I really, really wanted. I wanted uh, a 3610 with Snake, but didn't get one of them. Yeah, I think that was I think that was it. I just remember being really behind because my birthday was so late in the year. Um and we didn't really get big toy presents at Christmas. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I mean my birthday is close enough to Christmas and there was <laughs> we it was not a, a particularly affluent family growing up that I often had the combined Christmas and birthday present. Um oh. so separating those two in my head when I was younger is, is quite tricky but there was definitely do you remember pound puppies do you remember those oh you and mentioned then you put a little plaster on their paw no that was puppy in my pocket and there were oh. they had like specific like the vet set series they had animal hospital sub series of um puppy in my pocket which had injuries that you could Oh my like, gosh, you know a lot about these. <laughs> I, I had a lot of them. Um, I don't yeah, remember Pound, either of these. So Pound Puppies was like, there was there were soft toys, which producer Holly remembered the other day when we were talking about this, had like babies and you could take the babies out. The, they were in like a pouch in the stomach and you could take them out. But there were also plastic versions. And one of them was like this uh, pound truck that opened up into this playset, And I remember being really obsessed with this and I really wanted it. And I always wanted like hotels for my from my plastic toys or stables or things. That was always the thing that I remember wanting um, at Christmas. And then, yeah, I did have quite a few of them in the end, but I don't, I never, I never wanted a Furby. I never wanted Barbies. It was always like, is it an animal? Yes. Please give, give to me. I've just remembered like you talking about pound puppies has reminded me. Do you remember doodle bears? Oh Yeah. I always, I always wanted a doodle bear, and I never got one. And uh, spoiler alert for you know the folks listening at home: I was not spoiled, but had came from a family that had expend reasonable expendable income, and we got a lot of toys. And I had an older sister, and there's no, there's no two ways around it. Um, so I'm gonna sound like a dick in this episode because it's gonna be me being like, oh yeah, no, I had that. Yeah, no, I had that. But the one that I didn't get was the doodle bear. I never got a doodle bear and I really, really, really wanted to do a doodle bear. And there was another one that I really wanted. Oh, Mr. Frosty. He's such fun. He makes drinks for oh, everyone. Oh, I used to, I'm, again, another advert with the jingle. <laughs> yeah. Those were the two. Those were the two that I remember that I didn't get. 
the I remember seeing you remember the Saturday morning kids adverts for like for various toys when whatever cartoon was on. The one I always remember is there was that game and I can't remember the name of it, but it was you had the elephant mask with the trunk <gasps> and you had to like throw hoops on the on the on the trunk. Oh, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I always that. I never got it. <laughs> Um, maybe now as a 31 year old woman i'll buy it for myself if i can find I it. Bought <laughs> myself, i no, i didn't buy it for myself i got mr frosty for like my 18th birthday from my friends Amazing. uh and then i used it to make alcoholic cocktails at <laughs> uni and then Not i true. cleaned it and gave it to my uh goddaughter for her like sick birthday <laughs> let's hope there was no residue of vodka or gin in that i cleaned it i cleaned it yeah, i know but you know you never know. Yeah, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. I think games is a different thing. Like I definitely remember no. because we were because we were in an era that, you know, apart from like game we spoke about Game Boys and stuff, they were all and Sega and PlayStation One, they were all relatively kind of new and really expensive. So board games were definitely a much bigger thing while we were younger. Like I remember having Operation and uh, Mouse Trap and like card games and frustration mouse trap and all that. Amazing. I used to mouse love all those games. Yeah, and no trap. one ever plays them anymore apart from at Christmas time because it's like, oh, you know, let's get away from the TV. Well, actually, I love a board a game. In uh, board game popularity over the last yeah. couple of years. Um, yeah, I bet that has. Yeah, I, and you know, I mean, look at all the board game cafes that are out there now. Yeah. The one there three years ago. Oh, I thought you meant just during COVID, but you're right. Actually, in the no, last also, like couple of years, board game nostalgia, and there was like there are so many board games out there. Fucking hungry, hungry hippos. I know it's it is. I mean, it is technically a game, but that was great. That was another one of our of our time. Talking about more cliche gender games. Did you ever play? Like my boyfriend phone or my my <gasps> dream phone? phone? Dream phone. Dream phone. Oh my god! What was that? That was awful. Yeah, it's a ridiculous premise of a game, and just woefully, woefully narrow-minded. Yeah, true. I did have one of the weird, weird, uh, and we will get onto this later in the show in more detail. One of the weirdly gendered things that I was given, and I don't remember by who, but was. Uh, a wedding planning kit what I, was, I think i was about six or seven and it was like terrible fake invitations it came with a veil it had i can't remember the rest of it but it was in i remember it was in this like pink carry case with a of course it was pink yeah so they didn't they just skipped the dream phone and went straight to let's get a hit let's get a hitch who, who so gave bad. you that I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. I remember playing with it in a house when I was living in Hampshire and filling in the groom's name as this boy called Thomas De Santos, who was uh, obviously my boyfriend at the time when I was seven, and we used to play Kiss Chase. But oh, that, in my head, you made him up, and he's from like Greece. Nope, he was a real boy, and then I looked. He was a real boy. I had a similar one. Uh, my sister and I got a joint gift which was a CD-ROM game that taught you how to put on makeup and change your hair. And um, I, oh. I'm pretty sure it was called like changes or something. It was that on the nose. And it was literally like 
how to how to adjust your lips like adjusting your lip shape and like changing your hair color and what would you look like and how to put on makeup and how to dye your hair and how to all these different haircuts and it was a joint joint present between so it's like instagram filters before instagram was a thing but it was like it was like uploading a picture and putting eyeshadow on it it was i don't think we even ever really played it like obviously it was from my one of my uncles but yeah it was it was a weird one we were like the fuck is this and i think i i distinctly remember that i was very much still in primary school at this point like i should not have even been thinking about makeup i think there's also something in terms of like i remember i definitely remember uncles and male relatives getting me stuff that they assumed girls were into and so, like, I remember a Portuguese, uh, on my Portuguese side, I don't even know what kind of relative he was, like, bought me lipstick. And I was, like, really young. And my mum was appalled. But I do think it is just a naivety and just an assumption. It's like, oh, you get girls dollies and makeup and bride kits and all that kind of stuff. And you get boys trains and aliens and... Did I really have many uh, dolls? Because obviously they are... A, a very traditionally they are traditionally associated with women or with female children girls yeah like i have many with three like baby dolls jenny george and marie and then i had two china dolls whose names i don't remember one of them was definitely called lucy um i had a bunch of barbies i still have a bunch of barbies so yeah um... not like here but in existence in my mum's house. Pan Kim's camera around to an entire wall. Of- <laughs> <laughs> you said your mum makes some outfits, doesn't she? She does make them outfits, yeah. yeah. Uh, she changes their outfits sort of pretty much annually, I think. As far as I'm aware, I don't know if she still does that. Simultaneously Better. cute and strange. Yeah, a little bit mad. Told you. What about you guys? Do you have lots of dolls? I don't think I was really introduced to Barbies until... And I think this comes down to the fact that my mum really didn't want me to engage with Barbies or dolls. I do, I do think I had like a, like a baby doll when I was younger and wanted to carry it around and replicate that kind of thing. And I definitely had a teddy bear as well and all the other kind of actually quite gender neutral toys... But then I very distinctly remember my next-door neighbour, who was probably about one or two years older than me, and in which case, when you're younger, that's like you idolise that child. And she had a couple of Barbies, and I remember being so fascinated by them. And after that point is when I started requesting them. And so I got the Little Mermaid Barbie, and I was so excited about that. And uh, that was the only Barbie I ever managed to get, apart from the Ken doll that was the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. So I don't know whether I just acquired that from someone else as like the other half of a set and someone was allowed Belle and I got the Beast. But then I also went through a stage where, and I think it was introduced by my nan, where I collected China dolls and they were super, super creepy like super creepy china dolls that you'd turn the lights off and all these faces would be staring at you (laughs) and i didn't really have much of an affection towards them it was just a collectible thing i think 
I have collected ceramic pigs, though, so I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's anything to go by. But that's the thing with my my dolls, Lucy and whatever the other one's name was, whose name I don't remember. I was like, I don't like them particularly. Like, I didn't love them or anything, but I was like, I'm supposed to. And you're meant to kind of feel some connection to them because they, they I, I suppose, yeah. replicate humans. Um, I was not a doll person and I think dolls were discouraged um, in my family to an extent. Um, I don't think I ever really wanted them anyway. It was never really like a, oh, I want to make this tiny, pretty version of me. Mine was much more like, I want a horse! So I just had a little Giant horse! <laughs> Give me a giant horse! Yeah, so I didn't really have any. I did have the one Barbie I had, like the one official Barbie I had was the uh, Little Mermaid one, like you, Alec. Um, I had two of them. Oh, fuck off, privileged girl. <laughs> there were two of us. We couldn't agree, so we both had one, apparently, somehow. Fuck your privilege in, it's showing. Um, <laughs> it's going to show throughout this whole episode. I'm letting my, uh, let my privileged flag fly. Yeah, so I didn't really, I wasn't really a doll person. I found the whole baby doll aspect a bit weird and a bit creepy to be honest I was like even I well you you never know how much of it is influence of the people around you but I was like no I don't I'm seven why would I want a baby that's not my thing because you had much older siblings so you didn't really have much babies around you maybe I didn't yeah no I didn't have well you say that but I was an aunt by the time I was five like they yes I didn't have siblings but I did have nieces and nephews um I think there was an element of me always kind of trying to be older than I was because of that and because of the fact that my next the next sibling up is eight years older and then it goes all the way up to like nearly 20 years older than me so yeah I think there was a bit of that in it but I just dolls were not my thing and every time I see some kind of like cutesy story about a girl and her doll I'm just like but why? <laughs> you could have had I've, Lego. I had a lot of different things and went through a lot of different phases and went through a lot of those. Like I'm I, much like you, so I'm like I'm much older than I than I am, and I'm not going to play with these childhood things. And I'm going to request things like science kits and telescopes and stuff. Oh man, I don't think that's <laughs> like to do with your age. I think that's just being like you know what, being having a chemistry kit. I always really wanted one of those like home chemistry things that would have been great and i never got one tell i yeah oh um uh, but like also the telescopes that looked into skies what are they called what do you mean telescopes (laughs) yeah okay oh microscopes is what i meant previously telescopes is now what i'm talking about (laughs) periscope one of the best toys i have ever had was a plastic periscope yeah it was so oh, much yeah. fun oh is in like the the, the thing where you like, it's got the mirrors in oh i loved them so you're thinking of kaleidoscope them. oh so many scopes. no 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 i'm thinking uh, periscope is so the one where you can like it. look over a fence basically with it no i know you're looking i know you're thinking of um periscope alex said the thing with the colors which is right, oh yeah yeah, yeah no, that's a kaleidoscope <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah Kaleidoscope, microscope, telescope, give me the scopes. I oh, love the scopes. Call me <laughs> Philip Scopesfield. 
Did you I ever have sea monkeys? Did mm. either of you have sea monkeys? I never had them. I, oh, oh, I, I didn't them, have sea monkeys. But I felt like awful uni. because I killed them. <laughs> Everyone did. I Everyone know, but like There's I, no one now that's like, I've got still got my sea monkeys from when I was eight. Oh, yeah, no one does. But they were yeah. like tiny weird little crabs or like plankton. And they came in sachets. What creatures come in sachets? Yeast. Yeah, but they don't move and swim in water. I'm going to call my new band the Yeast Monkeys. You're all welcome. So weird. So weird. I will absolutely join the Yeast Monkeys. Amazing. Alex, are you into the Yeast Monkeys? I don't know. It sounds like something that happens in your knickers. Like, that's not good. (laughs) Hey, good band. album party in my pants. It'd be great. (laughs) Just add water. (laughs) That's the first single. Won't last until your thirties. <laughs> oh god, guys, you've got a whole album here. Fun for um, three minutes. Fun for three. <laughs> fun until you kill them. Um, yeah. So sea monkeys, like there are a lot of toys from when we were when we were bands, uh, because we grew up in the nineties and everything was disposable and made of plastic. Um, is there anything we've talked a bit about various kind of expectations of? My friends had this, therefore I wanted it, or, or whatever. Is there anything that you remember being really pressured to enjoy and want by, like, family members? Like, you should... I'm giving you this because it feels like you should want it? Yeah, aside from the aforementioned any kind of ceramic dolls, <laughs> including but not limited to a creepy ceramic clown figurine... Oh, no. On a swing that you hung off a curtain pole. Oh my god, how do you so make it... this creepier? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it was the creepiest fucking thing I've ever owned. And I've owned some creepy things. I think because my immediate family that bought me toys almost were trying to discourage me from the gender stereotype toys. Actually probably to not play with the dolls and the barbies and actually play with the trucks and the kaleidoscopes telescopes all the scopes Um, always play with the scopes yeah always play with the scopes so yeah so i suppose it's kind of like a a reverse pressure than maybe what we're trying to get at yeah i definitely felt the same kind of thing of that that playing with the really heavily female gendered traditionally female gendered toys was was not called despite the wedding kit and i still don't know who bought me that Um, (laughs) i'm so shocked by that (laughs) yeah right it's fucking weird but i had i i have four brothers i have two sisters so obviously all the hand-me-down toys were either fairly masculine or fairly gender neutral so i had that kind of aspect to it and also my mum was very much like not for all she was like i have five children i love babies she was like don't play with baby things <laughs> don't <laughs> make the same mistakes I <laughs> learn learn from me um yeah but no her thing was very much like the boys always had the best toys and i remember having many conversations with her about this like boys have the best toys boys get pirate ships boys get castles boys get this boys get that it was always much more the focus that I had from family was generally much more gender neutral or or male slanted. I mean, yes, I didn't have a Stretch Armstrong, but I did have a Playmobil Treasure Island. Like, 
which was great and I love it and I keep looking at it on eBay being like maybe I'll just buy myself one now don't need it want it um <laughs> jealous but, not to have as like I used to love stretch Armstrongs though really yeah stretch Armstrong. and do you remember like whenever you'd watch those again those Saturday morning cartoons were such a big part and you'd watch the boys stuff yeah and it had like in the WWE ring was- and they'd be pulling his arms yeah, and like you could, you'd, you'd get an enemy that, or like Doctor X was always Action Man's um, adversary, and and all that kind of stuff. And then otherwise, it was just fucking My Baby All Gone, which fair enough to everyone on the show that had a My Baby All Gone, <laughs> but no. But she made it all gone. She like I don't think gone. you understand. She made it all gone, and it was I was all gone. I was always entirely baffled by the milk bottle. You turn it upside down. Where the hell did it go? I'm still not even sure. Now. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All those cherries. Where the fuck did those cherries go? Well, the cherries went back in the spoon, but the milk. Which... Oh, they went back in the spoon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I was pressured to not like baby things, and I don't think I was pressured to like babe like baby things girly things um but i'm specifically thinking of like baby dolls given that i've been talking about them um but like i don't remember being pressured to or to not like it and i think my my best example of this is like my sister was a tomboy for most of my childhood so i i and i remember that that wasn't like an issue and maybe she just got the rebellion out of the way for me i don't remember ever being told you have to play with this and i also don't ever my mum told you could never play with this I think it was just like I remember getting the the most of the pressure most of the feeling that I got was social from like my peer group like everyone's playing with yo-yos and everyone's got furbies and everyone's got this I think the expression tomboy is a really interesting one and one that we might not be able to tackle just in this podcast but I think our language is so kind of ingrained in us that we talk about girly and we talk about um, tomboy and actually we relate it to how we were as children and it genders us straight away regardless of you know how we identify and yeah I mean I use those terms very much in like the quote-unquote way that they are expected to be used not necessarily like looking at if I look at someone now, I do. Oh, she's such a tomboy, but like I, I refer to it as as how it was referred to at the time more than anything else. I think it is interesting though, and again, we will talk about this. It definitely is, yeah. Is this idea of what, like, even twenty years ago when we were kids, you had to identify the way a child engaged with toys in a gendered term. Like tomboy was it was a thing that was thrown around and, and and had been thrown around for a few years anyway. But the fact that you can just be like, this is a child who enjoys these things. You had to throw, you had to stick a gendered label on it, or you had to stick something on it that went, she has these genitals, but she likes climbing trees. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, why? I think what we're all saying is we we don't really remember being that conscious about being categorised when we were younger. Because, categorising you know, ourselves. Or, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember categorising myself or being categorised. I don't know yeah. about you guys. Um, maybe in my uh, like early teens, like 11, maybe, that's when 
you were then categorized as you're a tomboy because you wear trousers and get muddy and you wear pink and are into dolls maybe not at 11 but you know what I mean like I remember being more aware of labels at 11 as opposed to when I was younger and I think now we're adults we can look back and reflect and be like actually like the wedding pack like the makeup like all that the the dream uh phone or whatever it's called um it's kind of not okay because it's just like, well, why was that influencing us from such a young age to believe that finding the perfect man or getting married or finding like being the perfect figure or wanting babies was the thing that we should only aspire to be mm-hmm. as opposed to boys were given toys that allowed you to aspire to be a, a hero or an adventurer or some a scientist and yeah it doesn't mean there's a right or wrong it just means that we're looking back and thinking why were those toys plumbed like really driven home uh, just for girls and those particular toys really like driven towards boys but fortunately i think what we're saying is we actually were allowed to experience it all so it's just it's a battle that we haven't experienced but it's something that some people are and it shouldn't yeah. be allowed I was deaf but the thing is that's the thing like I was aware of it for other people I just wasn't aware of it for myself like I what I, what I guess I mean is like I don't remember whether my sister's um categorization as a tomboy was her choice or was what adults said but they certainly didn't say the same thing about me and I was doing much the same and then, yeah, but I completely, you know, what you said is completely right. There, there is this massive. Obviously, this is this is a big impetus with us discussing this topic on this podcast. Is there is a massive disparity between boys' toys, quote unquote boys' toys, and quote unquote girls' toys, and the things that they teach you and the things that you learn from them. And I don't think it's entirely black and white, and I don't think it ever has been entirely black and white that all girls' toys only teach you to like baby, like have babies and be pretty but I think that that's definitely the overarching narrative that people take away from girls toys and that's that's almost as much of a problem like Barbie gets a lot of bad rep despite the fact that Barbie was an athlete and Barbie had was a dentist and Barbie was a doctor and Barbie was a space cadet and Barbie, Barbie was, was all the all the things that you could change her costume to so. yeah and that's but that's that's great that's great but then the thing that a lot of people take away from Barbie is Barbie was unreasonably proportioned and had a boyfriend and like what I mean is that like that's not all black and white but it's fair criticism that that is a that that is a the legitimate criticism does not negate the other good stuff that is done and vice versa there is much less discussion about that for quote-unquote boys toys because no one no one ever had to scrutinize quote-unquote boys toys because they were just toys like action man is allowed to be just a toy a a toy car is allowed to be just a toy car whereas a girl's toy baby doll or a barbie it's like but does it teach them anything and if it doesn't teach them anything what doesn't it teach them if it does teach them anything is it teaching them the wrong message is it right message is there something wrong with that message is there something right with that message like i just feel like i've never had an at length discussion about i've never heard boys have an at at length discussion about whether or not they feel pressured to have liked car toys but they also have felt pressure not to care about children 
and feelings. So I think there's an argument on both sides. What do you think about the difference in the messaging around gender toys? And do you think it is something that is changing? Because we grew up in the 90s, which was fucking 20 years ago now. So do you think what you've seen about toys now is different to what we grew up with? I think yes and no. I think there's definitely changes. I think it depends what circle you're in. I think there's still a lot of people that feel pretty much the same way as they did in the 90s, which is, you know, like girls girls play with dolls and boys play with cars and ne'er the twain shall meet, except in a Barbie dream car. And But I definitely think that there is a more mainstream and more consistent movement to let the kids do what the fuck they want and play with what the fuck they want. I think there, you know, I think the world is very different than it was when we were kids. And I think the things that are available are so different. And part of that is due to the internet. And part of that is just due to the fact that people want people, you know, people have just so much more awareness of the fact that gender isn't a binary and that you can't break things down into nice, neat little packages much as you may try. So, um, but I do still think there is a lot of harm being done and a lot of um, small mindedness being done. And I know this because it's come up in the lives of children in my life that they've been told, you know, little girls grow up to be nurses, little boys grow up to be doctors and you can't have a, you know, doctor kit because you're a little girl and all this sort of nonsense and fills me with pure and unadulterated rage. I think I was trying to think earlier when we were talking about the adverts that, um, used to be on our TVs with the jingles and stuff like that. And I obviously don't watch shows that give me children's adverts about toys anymore. So actually I can't really massively answer that because I don't I don't know and I haven't been exposed to that or engaged with that. The only thing that I can think of when we were talking about the world that we live in and gender and stuff is this weird uprising of gender reveals when you have a baby. <sighs> And like, you know, like you will, you know, confetti of blue or confetti of pink or, you know, all these weird elaborate ways in which you reveal the gender of your baby. And it's almost like the pressure, again, like I said, I don't know because I'm not exposed to the adverts anymore, but it's not to do with toys. It's just to do with you are the gender you are when you're conceived and you know that's this must that's be something from the earliest possible fucking yeah from the earliest possible point over instagram for the world to see and celebrate and for the world to adopt blue or pink so if anything i think that concept ha- and uh, has put more pressure on being a gender from birth than any mm. any toy ever had yeah yeah that's a really good point so like it, starts, yeah. it starts before toys are even a thing Gender kind of becomes performative in that sense for... Uh, and why? Why? Because it's a baby. It's a baby. baby. Why, why are you picking this and why does it matter? And you know there's that whole like, oh, it doesn't matter as long as it's healthy kind of angle, which I've just said in a mocking voice. But it's like that really is all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you have to announce that it has a dick or not? I, th- I would like to hope that there is a movement towards, like, away from this very, very, very heavily gendered advertising that we knew when we were young. I mean, I'm like, I think all of us 
recognise that uh, Saturday morning cartoon advert break advertising, like we said, the my my baby all gone um, jingle or action man, whatever. You you knew straight away when you saw something that was like this is for boys, this is for girls, and it was a gender binary, and you saw it immediately. And... Well, who was playing with it? Exactly. Do you remember? Do all? Do you remember that castle? And at the very front, there was this cannon projectile thing that you had like a button and you popped it and this boulder flew out the cannon. And it was always, it was the toy for boys to have in the 90s. And it was always posited as such. And I was like, what if I want to defend against a siege? Why can't I do that? (laughs) And it's like, I I do feel like that a very avert. I would like an advert with you just saying, what if I want to defend against the siege? (laughs) What if I have to defend against marauders, you fucks? Like, yeah. Um, And I think there will be that. And I think there is that. And I think having, if you show an advert on TV now, that is just, it's pink and blonde and this and blah, you are going to get raked across the coals. Mm. You are, like I don't think brands can get away with it now. Get risk free, yeah. But then, but then the sort of equivalent and the thing that like is still so prevalent is, and I'm noticing this a lot at the moment because I'm Christmas shopping. Is I'm like, oh, what can I get for so and so? And then it's like gifts for her and gifts for him, and it's all and like you do get you get gifts for her, gifts for him, gift for boys, gift for girls, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not buying from this website just because you've done that. Um, but like it's everywhere. But that's what people, but that's what people search. Being as yeah. someone who has to create what, those, what yeah, no, I know. To find, I that. know, but it's so infuriating that that is that is like the drop down menu. But that that feels to me like the equivalent. The the like the gifts for her, gifts for him, gifts for kids is gifts for boys, gifts for girls, and it's like how about just gifts, just just gifts by interest? I think is my personal favorite. Which is the way it should be. But in order for people to surface their content, you have to go with what people are looking for. And most people are searching by gender. (laughs) Because of what we're conditioned. Is it chicken and egg? It's chicken and egg. It's what we're conditioned. How do you you break that? And also it's very different now because so many people are online shopping, particularly when it comes to shopping for kids and you know, we are in 2020, we can't necessarily, A, go and shop as we once did. And also, we don't know if we're going to see the people that we want to give these gifts to within the next questionable amount of time. So we are shopping online. And when you're shopping online, you have to add some kind of parameter to what you're looking for. Otherwise, and then what you end choose. up doing, <laughs> exactly, if you just search gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also like also because you are looking for things you are looking for ideas that people can feed to you because especially in you know the year of 2020 like you you, you have had fundamentally less opportunities for organic thinking of something to give someone like i don't know about you guys but when i choose gifts for people it's generally because i had a conversation with you six months ago where you said you may be kind of like fuzzy socks and i'm like oh i'm gonna get them fuzzy socks for christmas like that is that is how I do a lot of my gift giving, and I we have all had a lot far fewer opportunities to organically have ideas. So yeah, I, I get it. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it. 
so hard like you said like chicken and egg is is the problem yeah but absolutely how how do we as people who want to eliminate gender I, I, I may be speaking for myself here but people who want to eliminate gender from the concept of play and fantasy and childhood enjoyment how can we help that what can we do subvert it like not subvert it but like buy based buy as we said buy based on interest and buy from companies that sell based on interest I remember so much of my childhood joy was just imagination games was just all the games that you would play in the playground play with each other at home like brothers and sisters all that kind of stuff that actually had no preconception of what a company thinks you want and I'm not saying just boycott every single company that is going to sell you shit of course not but if you can find the companies that are just tapping into your like people and children's imaginations even as adults all we want is something that inspires us Mm -hmm. makes us better people and you know is imaginative invest in what you want to see yeah and finally to wrap up the show this week do you see any toys that you loved or coveted as a child that are coming back into fashion sadly not my baby all gone (laughs) (laughs) alexander (laughs) i think i feel like some things have just lasted things like pokemon um lego do you guys have rollerblades I have rollerblades. I did a rollerblade dance as my show and tell to um, Pulp, the year 2000. Everything about that. That was, that's a, I didn't know you as a child and that was visceral. I could, oh. I'm sorry. It was so bad. That should be, that should be in a time capsule. That's amazing. Is there is there video footage of this? Of course there's not, because it was the nineties. <laughs> God, I want to see that. Similarly to Kim, like I've noticed Pokemon and shit like that, Dragon Ball Z, all those kind of. I think I think anime as well as a thing is like a revival. I think especially with COVID making and before even before COVID, this kind of wellness movement about making and being away from screens has had a revival so therefore things like making friendship bracelets and journaling you know all that kind of stuff that is away from screens away from computers is is kind of a a revival of toys to an extent Mm. but repackaging it as a wellness thing as opposed to it was just pre-computers. And is there anything that if someone from 1996, let's say, <laughs> turned up on your doorstep and went, I am a time traveller from the past. Here is the thing you you always wanted, but you never got. One gift, one present. What would you want them to bring you? Does that have to be something I never had or does something can it be something that I thought about? recently that I or something that you had had. lost wish you still had pogo stick oh good choice okay pogo stick 
because uh, I had one and it was great fun and I would have one again and I was literally thinking about this last week like no one ever talks about pogo sticks anymore <laughs> pogo stick yeah no man pogo stick I feel like it's like it could be repackaged now as a modern day exercise as well for like people with yeah. small gardens yeah, or something yeah, yeah. So, pogo stick for Kimberly, Alexandra. Nah, just bring back the imagination games. Oh, imagination games. Fair. What about you, Sam? Uh, maybe the castle with the boulder. <laughs> I know yeah. about that. I, I, I would like someone to bring me some kind of machine in which I could say, I remember a thing and I cannot tell you what it was called, but hear the things I know about it and then they could put it in front of me and be like, is this what you meant? And I'd be like, yeah, you knew. It's so so it's like a like a weird app that you just input data. Like a psychic Google. <laughs> yeah, like Google. Mystic, but on Meg, Mystic Meg for the future. Mystic Instead Meg. of it just typing into Google like pirate things, it went, yeah, no, we got you. So that is the end of the show this week and also the end of season two of Great Culture. So thank you for listening if you have been with us all the way through. And even if you haven't, thank you for listening and uh, talk, you know, enjoying us chatting shit. Um, but before we go for the year and also for the end of this episode, we have some wine to rate. So let's go to Kimberly first. What do you think of your wine tonight? Yeah, it's all right. It is drinkable it's a little bit heartburny. It's about what you'd expect from a reasonably priced wine at McColl's. You know, like, I, I will have it again, I'm sure. But it's normally a second bottle kind of wine. Uh, it's 2.5. 2.5. For it doesn't pair particularly well with the conversation in that I would like something a little bit more cosy and happy for talking about, like, what has been mostly quite a fun conversation about nice things and nostalgia. But, you know, it's cute. It's a cute bottle. It all works. I'll allow. 2.5. 2.5 for Le Petit Um, I will go next with the uh, unit horse. Uh, it's not what it's called. It's called the Percheron. Horse. The absolute unit. Yes. So the Percheron is, uh, is okay. It's a good red. It's not the best red. Uh, it's a three. Three for me. And Alex, how about you on your um Nov. Nov, which your lovely, yeah. lovely partner brought for you. Oh, bless him. With his collection of three, one of which was the only one I could drink. <laughs> oh, I am intrigued whether it's the same rating I gave previously when I drank this on podcast. I'm going to give it a 2.5 because it's middle of the road. It's reasonably tasty. It's a white wine. It was like £4 something, I think. Maybe £5 something. It's like bargain bucket. It you didn't buy pair. it. It's free. I, I didn't buy it. It's free. I I don't think it pairs necessarily well because it it doesn't make me super happy and it doesn't make me super nostalgic for like gross wine that I used to drink when I was younger. So yeah, 2.5 middle of the road. And we don't have a book or a topic as such to rate this week. So we are just going to say, have a lovely Christmas, have a lovely new year. And we are going to be back in the new year with a whole host of new topics. It's going to be a mixture of books, a mixture of TV shows, a mixture of films, a mixture of just 
just this, just us chatting shit. And we'll be back then to give you some more grape culture goodness. But in the meantime, have a lovely new year. Have a lovely Christmas. And we will see you soon. Thank you for listening. Bye.